The text that is in the bulletin is one of my favorites, and that's why I end up sharing, because it's one of my favorites and it speaks to me a lot. But today I'm going to start a couple of verses ahead and I'm going to read that, and you're going to hear it again. Starting with Jeremiah 15, verses 5 and 6, because it's not as happy in the beginning. This is what the Lord says. Cursed is the one who trusts in man, who depends on flesh for his strength, and whose heart turns away from the Lord. He will be like a bush in the wastelands. He will not see prosperity when it comes. He will dwell in the parched places in the, of the desert, in a salt land where no one lives. Let's keep going. But blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. And that word man means like everybody. It isn't, it's a generic man whose confidence is in him. He will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. Back in July, well, we're talking grandson's birthdays, July 5, my oldest grandson's birthday, um, I ended up in my worship reading from 1 Kings 17. And if you'd like to turn there, that's where we're going to spend our time today, is in 1 Kings 17. To give you a tiny bit of background, Judah and Israel had been in separate nations for some time. Judah was the southern kingdom. It had been sometimes worshiping God and sometimes not. Right now, Asa was king, and he'd been king now for 38 years, and he had a few more to go. And then his son Jehoshaphat would take over for him. The Bible says that Asa did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, as his father David had but times were evil in Israel, the northern kingdom. It was like the bush in the wastelands. Ahab succeeded his father Omri, and the same thing was said about Ahab as it had been about Omri, that he did more evil in the eyes of the Lord than any of those before him. So. One-upmanship was not going a good direction here. He, Ahab, set up in the temple of all places an altar to Baal. And Baal was the Canaanite young storm god who was called Lord of Rain Clouds. And you know kind of the story coming up, right? Um, he also made an Asherah pole and for worshiping the goddess of love and fertility. And then he topped it off by marrying Jezebel. And you know who Jezebel was. She has been sort of personified as evil. Her father was Ethbaal, 
and he was a king priest of um, some areas that were north of Israel on the coast, and there was Tyre, and there was Zarephath, and there was Sidon. So, do you have in your Bibles 1 Kings 17? The very first verse starts with kind of an explosion in a way, because we have Elijah, second grandson, another grandson, not second, number three actually. Um, his middle name is Elijah, and that name means the Lord is my God. His birthday's next week, so we have to kind of mention him. And suddenly, Elijah appears in Samaria, in the palace. And he says, it's not going to rain until I say so, and it's going to be a few years. And he's gone. So much for Baal, the storm god and Asherah, the goddess of fertility. So he went, and um, then let's read in verse 2. We're going to do a lot of reading today. It says, Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah. Leave here, turn eastward, and hide in the Kirith Ravine, east of the Jordan. You will drink from the brook, and I have ordered the ravens to feed you there. Sounds like short order. How does God order ravens? It's obviously not the same way he speaks to Elijah and tells him to go. But what do they do? What happens? So, he did what the Lord had told him. He went to the Kirith Ravine east of the Jordan and stayed there. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. The messenger of the Lord listened to the Lord and did what the Lord told him when the word of the Lord came to him. Sometime later, that brook dried up. And then we have... In verse 8, we have again, Then the word of the Lord came to him, Go at once to Zarephath. Remember where that is? Up there where Ethbal is in charge, and it's right between Tyre and Sidon. Go at once to Zarephath, that's like in enemy territory, and stay there. I have commanded a widow in that place to supply you with food. How does he command widows who don't really know him, that are from an enemy nation? How does he do that? So he went to Zarephath. You see a tendency here with Elijah, which is a little different than what was happening with most of Israel. Then he came to the town gate. The widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and asked, would you bring me a little water so I can have a drink? You're a widow and a guy that's a stranger from a strange land and a different culture comes and asks you for a drink of water. 
sounds like somebody asking, Jesus asking a, a widow at the well for a drink of water. What is going to be your response as a widow? I don't want anything to do with this guy. He's scary. What is, what's, why, you know what I mean? All those things. But she was a woman who believed in hospitality and graciousness and believed in kindness even when it wasn't convenient. So she was going to get it, and as she was going, he called. And bring me, please, a piece of bread? Oh. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. I am gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. What assets did she have in this world? She didn't have a husband. She had a little bit of flour she had a jug with a little bit of oil in it, and she had a son. That son was her security in that culture. He was her future. He was her retirement policy. He was everything. And she was trying to feed him the very last bit she could feed him, and that was all they had. And Elijah said to her, Don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said. But first, but first, make a small cake of bread for me and from what you have and bring it to me and then make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. The jar of flour will not be used up, and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord gives rain on the earth. This widow was hopeless and helpless and desperate. And she was being asked to risk everything she had. She had to be willing to say, God of Israel, you first. She had to open up her hand. There was nothing else there. The oil and the bread and the flour to make bread was for her son. And she had to risk it all. God was saying, do you trust me? And what was her response? Very different from what Israel's response was. She went away and did as Elijah had told her. So there was food every day and Eli um, for Elijah and the woman and her family, and the flour was not used up, and the jug of oil did not run dry, in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. So for some time, we have an everyday miracle. 
Doesn't that solidify your trust in God so you will never doubt again? Is that the way your experience is? That when God has answered your prayer, even on a regular everyday miracle, when you see all the things God gives you, do you never doubt again? Sometime later, the son of the woman became ill, and he got sicker and sicker, and he stopped breathing. She said to Elijah, what do you have against me, man of God? Do you come to remind me of my sin and kill my son? And he took the son up to the room where he was staying, and he prayed. Not once, but three times. And in the next chapter, we're going to find where this same Elijah prayed seven times. What a lesson on not giving up and continuing to pray and trusting and believing the word of the Lord. So he cried to the Lord, Oh, Lord, my God, let this boy's life return to him. The Lord heard Elijah's cry. And the boy's life returned to him, and he lived. Elijah picked up the child and carried him from the room into the house. And he gave him to his, mother's and said, Look, his mother and said, Look, your son is alive. Then the woman said to Elijah, Now I know that you are a man of God, and that the word of the Lord from your mouth is the truth. Have you ever had an impossible situation that there was no way out and it looked like death or impossibility was the only option? Sometimes God uses those really impossible life and death, give it all up situations to bring us to a new point of faith, to grow our trust in Him. And so then we can say, now I know that the word of the Lord is the truth. Whoever's mouth it comes from and however it comes to us. So how does this come down to our time and to us? I don't know if I have time to tell you about. Um, I'll do it really fast here. Um, there's a little, there's a girl, she's not little anymore, but a few years ago, she was a little girl in, in Chicago, and um, her name was Akiana. I don't know if any of you have heard of her. When she was about four years old, she started getting visits from God, um, visions, I believe, and um, her family was totally not Christian. They were atheist, agnostic. She'd never been told about God, except God told, God, told her about God. And very soon thereafter, God was teaching her how to draw and paint. Some of you may have seen the painting called Prince of Peace. She painted it when she was eight years old. Um, and she also started writing poetry, and now she's also composing music on the piano. Um, she listened to the voice of God and the word of God to her. And she said the purpose of her art is to draw people's attention to God and her poetry is to keep their attention on God. Then there's you and me. I thought about you. I thought about a lot of you and how many of you 
have instances in your life where I know you have heard the word of the Lord and you have answered it. And you have gotten out of your comfort zone and glorified God. Think of Sharon last week. One day notice, they gave me two weeks. <laughs> One day notice, and she allowed the Holy Spirit to speak through her in a very powerful way that encouraged me. Think about some of the other people in their ministries. Tim Neff that you hardly ever see here because he's busy doing prison ministries every Sabbath and ministering to men that don't have freedom. David and Michelle de Jim Batista, who invite others to join them, and they are doing a ministry for the homeless. And then there's Stephanie Ashley, who's going to Zambia and helping girls there. Then there's the other kinds of ministries. I'm thinking of Irasima, and I don't see her here right now, um, and her willingness to be vulnerable, her willingness to openly share what she has, and her openness to share what God is doing in her life, even if it may be personally embarrassing to her, and it uplifts me, and it really encourages me. Then there's Marty and Daniela. Every Sabbath, I get a hug, and I get a smile. And it's not easy when you're shy. I've been there and done that. I've been so shy, I couldn't hardly speak. But when you're willing to do that and get outside of yourself to bless someone else, Wow, it's huge, and it blesses me every, every single week. So I love it. Then there's caregivers. Jill, Sylvia, Ann, Dina, and there's lots, lots more, and that's only a few of them. Every day, they are faithful. They love others when it isn't easy or fun, when they're exhausted, and when nobody says thank you, and they keep doing it. There's Lewis and Karina. They love and care for developmentally disabled. Amen. And they do it wonderfully. And Natalie, she offered to pray for my cousins when she had plenty of people to pray for. But she says, I want to lift them up too. And Brenda, and I don't see Brenda here today, but every single day, including today, she sends a text message to encourage other people. Um, usually it has a Bible verse with it, but it's always a prayer, an encouraging word. And she doesn't even realize all the people it gets sent to from where she sends it on. I have a friend that waits every day for that message to get forwarded on. Carmen and Sylvia, they knit, they sew, they do all kinds of things, and they share those gifts by giving things to others. David Martinez that we often see sneaking in or out, doing all of the deacon things behind the scenes and blessing the children and the youth of this church. I don't see Paxton here either, but a couple of weeks ago, I was standing out there greeting and he spent like five or 10 minutes just talking to this old lady, just spending time. It was really a blessing. And then there's the singers, every single one of you the Chris's, the Lem's, the Destinies, all of you. You don't sing. You worship in music. And that is a blessing. And you get outside of yourself and you're willing to be uncomfortable and sing a solo, to be risking making a mistake. And you do it. And we are all blessed. Then there's Ellen. 
my daughter. She comes over to our house several times a week lately and helps us because we have a lot on our plates. We're doing a whole lot. Um, and she comes over when it's not convenient and she spends lots of time. Okay, how can I help today? To tell you a little bit about that, um, I want to tell you about one of the words of the Lord to me. Um, last year on my, my worship journal, my last worship journal, I understood by the end of my time, I'd filled it up, why what was on the cover was on the cover. So when I started this one, and I just was impressed to, to choose the one I have now, it says, with God all things are possible. I started asking God, so what is this about? Why are you telling me to trust that with God all things are possible? What's going to be impossible that I need to trust you about? I found out. <laughs> Here I am. Um, and there's more things than that. Because not only are we busy, I work full time. And I got two weeks to ask if I would be willing to do a sermon. We're also trying to retire, sign up for Medicare. And we're trying to move. We're trying to uh, buy a house, sell a house. All of those things, all at once. And it's a lot. And what was I going to say when Pastor Kayla said, are you willing to preach? And I went, with God all things are possible. How can I say no? God calls and he sends messages, commands and promises to us. And whether we are a, a messenger of God, a raven, or someone who is helpless and hopeless and feeling like we have nothing but death in our future, God still calls us. He sends us messages, commands, and promises. He asks us to trust everything we have, our futures, our legacy, everything he puts in our hand to him. And it's up to us to choose how we respond. Even many times a day, You'll hear his voice, and it'll say, do you trust me? He asks, who do you say that I am? You know, when, when Jesus was here, he, he quoted um, Moses telling the children of Israel. Um, and what Moses had said is, he humbled you, causing you to hunger, and then feeding you with manna to teach you that man does not live by bread alone. You remember that? But by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So my challenge to you is to keep listening because it isn't one time. It's every time and it's every day. Because blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. He will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit.